Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the OCSHP podcast, Adventure of the Orange County Society of Health Systems Pharmacists. I'm your co-host, Herman Johannesmeyer, immediate past president of the Orange County Society of Health Systems Pharmacists and current membership chair of the society. I'm also an assistant professor of pharmacy practice at the Marshall B. Ketchum University College of Pharmacy and an internal medicine pharmacy specialist at Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo, California. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Kayvon. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. Uh, my name is Kayvon Musavi, assistant professor also at Marshall B. Ketchum University. I got a practice site over at St. Joseph's of Orange, uh, which is a um, in the ED at a hospital in Orange County. So yeah, happy to be here. And the purpose of the OCSHP podcast is to provide useful, relevant content for pharmacists, pharmacy students, technicians, and also non-pharmacist healthcare providers, and to allow our listeners to gain insight on important topics related to pharmacy practice. And that leads us into today's episode. So our episode today is titled, Tranexamic Acid for Everything That Bleeds? Recent Evidence for Harm in Gastrointestinal Bleeding and Traumatic Brain Injury. So tranexamic acid is a hemostatic agent that reduces bleeding by inhibiting blood clot dissolution or fibrinolysis. For all of you Seinfeld fans out there, I kind of think of it as the bizarro version of Alteplase in that it's kind of similar, but also it's absolute opposite. There have been a lot of trials that have shown tranexamic acid be safe and effective for a lot of different indications, and this includes things like reduction of perioperative blood loss, reduction of heavy menstrual bleeding, helpful in dental procedures, postpartum hemorrhage, and also after traumatic events. And due to the quantity of positive evidence that supports the use of tranexamic acid use, some clinicians may believe that tranexamic acid can be used safely for any time a bleeding event occurs. That is to say, use tranexamic acid for everything that bleeds. But there have been some recent evidence and some recent articles that have come out that have shown that tranexamic acid may lack efficacy or even induce harm in some types of bleeding events. So today we'll be discussing the recent evidence that shows tranexamic acid in these patients and highlights considerations that clinicians should take into account before giving tranexamic acid to everyone. So to tackle this clinical problem, we do have a couple of expert panelists here joining us today. So let's say hello to Elizabeth. Hi, my name is Elizabeth. I'm the, currently the PGY2 critical care pharmacy resident at Loma Linda University Health. Great, thank you for joining us. And let's say hello to Sharon. Hi, my name is Sharon Zhang. Um, I'm also at Loma Linda University Medical Health working as a critical care clinical specialist. Thank you. So our first question for you is, what is tranexamic acid and how does it work? So tranexamic acid, technically its mechanism of action is that it forms a reversible complex that displaces plasminogen from fibrin, resulting in inhibition of what you mentioned earlier, fibrinolysis. And it also inhibits the proteolytic activity of plasmin. And what plasminogen is, it's a proenzyme that turns into plasmin when activated to dissolve the fibrin clot. So how do you, uh, so in practice, how do you use tranexamic acid or TXA? So in my practice, um, mainly I cover a lot of the ED and the ICU. So in the ED setting, we use a lot of TXA for traumas that come in, which we will discuss later. We also use them, you know, nebulize for hemoptysis. And then we also use topically for cuts, scrapes, wounds, also dental bleed. So there's a lot of indications that we use TXA for in an acute, both ED and ICU setting. And then for those, uh, those trauma patients, do you usually give it IV, oral? How are you administering it to, to those trauma patients? 
Yeah, so for our trauma patients, we give it IV. Most of the times, EMS, when they're bringing the patients in, they'll give them the loading dose, which we will go into a little bit more later. And then once they come into the ED, we will start the eight-hour maintenance infusion. So when you uh, when you give it, do you have to like pain? I know we'll get into a little bit more detail on this uh, later on. We get into specific indications, but is the time of administration is it relevant for any of these indications? You know, like in traumas or hemoptysis or any other kind of bleeding or other event where TXA is indicated. For the indication of TSA within the trauma setting, we do derive our duration, actually like the time that we give it off of the CRASH-2 trial, which is basically within three hours of injury in bleeding trauma patients. In terms of hemoptysis and other indications for use of TSA, we don't really have a time, a guideline that we do follow, but specifically for trauma patients, that it's going to be that three hour from the time of injury. And in addition to that, most other studies have shown that you know, like with any other medications, kind of earlier the better. So as early as we can get that administered to the patient, the more effective it's going to be in stopping that bleed, whatever the indication may be. So if we have a trauma patient that's coming to the hospital and we give them tranexamic acid for reduction in bleeding, what are some adverse events that we have to watch out for after giving them the drug? I think one of the biggest concerns that most people have, most clinicians have with the use of TXA is going to be the the incidences of thrombotic events, CVT, PEs notably. It does have some other adverse reactions. It's going to be hypotension, which is usually more associated with uh, rapid IV administration. There are also some GI side effects, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. It can also ha- cause seizures as well, but overall it has a relatively benign side effect profile with the thrombotic events being the most concerning. Okay, so now we've covered some of the uh, the basics about TXA or tranexamic acid. What important trials have kind of come out recently or maybe like in the last like 10 years or so that have said it's a good idea to use TXA in certain bleeding patients? So I think, I guess the gateway study that started this whole TXA trend was the CRASH-2 trial that was published in 2010. And essentially what this study kind of went off of is prior to this, there were a number of studies that looked at the use of TXA in preoperative, postoperative patients in elective surgery to reduce the need for blood transfusions. And they saw that they reduced the need for blood in those patients by approximately a third. So what the CRASH-2 study looked at was to assess whether or not to see if TXA will reduce mortality due to bleeding in these trauma patients. So, you know, it was a randomized trial in 40 countries. It was a very large study containing over 20,000 trauma patients. And what they looked at was administering the one gram loading dose of TXA over 10 minutes, followed by a one gram infusion over eight hours versus placebo to look at their primary outcome, which is which was death in hospital within four weeks of injury. So what were like the what were the main findings with the uh, with the crash two trial? Yeah, so the primary outcome, which was death in hospital within four weeks of injury, what they found was that all-cause mortality was significantly reduced in the TXA group, which was 14.5% versus 16% in the placebo, and the risk of death due to bleeding was also significantly reduced in the TXA group. In addition to that, secondary outcomes included vascular occlusive events, which Liz mentioned that was one of the concerning adverse effects to look out for for TXA as well as surgical interventions, receipt of blood transfusion, and they found no differences in the two arms between MI, stroke, or PE, and no differences in need for transfusion and surgery. 
So overall, pretty positive in terms of supporting TXA use. Have it helped to reduce mortality? Didn't really seem to have any differences in adverse events between placebo. So it seemed like that'd be a pretty good thing, especially if it was a pretty large study with 20,000 plus patients. And then uh, Elizabeth, you were, you were going to mention the uh, MATTERS trial? Yeah, the MATTER trial was a trial done in 2012. This is also a retrospective study, but this is specifically looked at combat injury patients. Whereas in the CRASH-2 trial, basically the indication for the use of TXA in bleeding patients was more of a subjective clinical judgment call. In the MATTERS trial, these patients were were actually actually bleeding. So there was actually a proof of, of bleeding, so a proof of indication. And so in, in, in this study, 896 patients were assessed. And in terms of how they did look for how they defined bleeding was these patients were actively getting transfused. And so with these patients, these patients were compared in terms of actively being bleeding patients that received TXA versus that patients that did not receive TXA. And they basically looked at the mortality benefit. Now, the MATTER trial did show that there was a lower hospital mortality in the TXA group with 17.4% versus 23.9% in the placebo group, which was also statistically significant um, despite the the injury severity. And overall, we're always concerned about the incidence of adverse effects. And um, within the MATTER trial, patients that did receive TXA did not have an increased risk of adverse events, most notably no increase increased risk of CBT or PD. Then the, uh, I say the woman trial was like another, I say pretty much like another landmark trial that came out a few years after both the crash two and the matters. Are either of you familiar with the woman trial that came out in 2017? Yeah, so this was another large study that was done to assess the effects of Again, early administration of TXA on death, hysterectomy, and other relevant outcomes in women with postpartum hemorrhage. Again, this was a large randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial in multiple countries, again, including over 20,000 adult women, I guess 16 years old or older, because in some countries that's considered adult age. And they looked at women, adult women with clinical diagnosis of postpartum hemorrhage. And they received one gram of TXA over 10 minutes. And this was a little bit different in the sense that they got an additional one gram as needed dose if the bleeding continued after 30 minutes of the first dose of TXA, or if the bleeding restarted within 24 hours of the first dose. The primary outcome was looking at composite of death from all causes or hysterectomy within 42 days of randomization. What they found was that risk of death from all causes or hysterectomy was not reduced with TXA. However, risk of death due to bleeding specifically was significantly reduced in patients who received TXA. And also, was there any uh, any time-dependent benefit of giving uh, TXA to those patients? Yeah, so they found that TXA substantially reduced the risk of death due to bleeding when given within three hours of giving birth. So you can kind of see here that three hours is kind of the magic number when it comes to TXA. And they also found that there was no difference in the thromboembolic events, DVT, PE, MI, or stroke. Also, no differences in surgical interventions, which included embolization, manual removal of the placenta, arterial ligation, and also no difference in risk of organ failure or sepsis. So what would be safe to say? So based on on those three trials, so CRASH-2, the MATTERS trial, and the WOMAN trial, that if you give transamic acid, you know, one to two grams, like either, you know, as a bolus, an infusion, or, or both, 
seems to help you in terms of reducing your risk of possibly dying due to bleeding. Doesn't really seem to increase your risk of adverse events, for example, like thromboembolic types of events like, you know, DBTs, PEs. So it'd be safe to say, like, on a base of those that TSA seems to be pretty good for, like, for actively bleeding patients. Right, correct. So, I mean, just based off those three landmark trials alone, up until 2017, which is when the last study, the women's study was published, TXA kind of seemed like the magic drug for anyone, anything and everything that bleeds, we give TXA. That is, of course, you know, with the fine print of as long as we can administer it within the three hour mark. And so at your, at your practice setting, so were you, were you basically using this data to support using this drug for, for your patients? Yeah, I mean, definitely taking everything into account and especially the crash too, just because that's a patient population that we can more directly apply in our practice setting. We definitely use the outcomes of the crash two trial to treat our trauma patients that come in with, you know, the signs and symptoms of hemodynamic instability, which they defined as, you know, systolic blood pressure less than 90, heart rate greater than 110, or anyone who was considered to be at risk of significant hemorrhage. So it sounds like there's some really good data out there to support the use of tranexamic acid in instances of traumatic injury and bleeding events. Are there any trials or data out there that either says it's not a great idea to use tranexamic acid or kind of obfuscates its use? Of course, where we have the CRASH-2 trial matters in women study, we also have the TICS-2 study, which looks at the use of TXA in patients with intracranial hemorrhages. And in these patients, they actually found no difference in 90-day in function or 90-day mortality. And that three-hour magic number that Sharon just mentioned actually did not have a difference either. And so early administration of TXA did not also affect the outcome as well. Yeah, and there was also one other fairly recent study, like kind of looking at the same patient population, uh, the STOP-OST trial, also pretty recent. I mean, I think it came out in uh, 2020. So again, also looking at intracerebral hemorrhage, a little bit smaller than the uh, the TICH-2, but fairly similar findings. So with those intracerebral hemorrhage patients, TXA did not seem to really benefit them, kind of at the level that we would expect based on you know, the CRASH-2 results matters and the, the women's studies. So yeah. There have also been some fairly recent studies that have been published that are kind of negative in nature as well. Sharon, you and I were talking about one of these uh, a little bit earlier. So they have a NOPAC trial, which I think came out a few weeks ago. You just want to kind of just break that one down for us? Yeah. So the NOPAC trial, like you mentioned, just was published a few weeks ago. And it's looking at the use of TXA nasal packing for epistaxis. And especially in the emergency department, because this is something that we deal with quite often in the ED. And what this study looked at, again, this was a pretty large trial across 26 different emergency departments in the UK. And they included about 500 patients and they randomized them to either receive nasal packing alone, which is like the standard of care versus nasal packing that's been like dipped in TXA. And they found that you know, there really was no difference between the two groups. And there was no difference for any of the secondary measures either. So, you know, this is something commonly that we do here in the ED at Loma Linda University Medical Center. So this is definitely, you know, now something that I have to think about going forward is this something that I would recommend to my physicians when they come to the pharmacist asking for TXA nasal packing. Yeah. So before, like, so again, a lot of these kind of more like negative-ish like studies that they came out like in the you know past like couple of years, so fairly recent. 
So kind of putting like those aside, like what were, what were your general, what was your general opinion of TXAUs and the ED and the ICUs? Just like in any any setting where you think TXA might be appropriate, what was like your general opinion of the drug? So I I was a huge advocate of TXA prior to all of these newer studies being published in the last year or so, mainly because there were studies backing the efficacy of it, but on top of that, there really was no harm related to it. So it also was like, yes, let's do it because we have the data, but also like, yeah, let's give it a shot and see what happens. Let's see if it works because, you know, the safety data is pretty good in terms of using TXA in these patients. So if we if we've gone through, you know, options A, B, and C and TXA is next on the line, let's let's try it. So because that's a that's a good segue into um, another or I'd say this is definitely like a, a negative trial in terms of you know TXA use. So the uh, the halted trial. So again, another fairly recent trial. I think it came out several months ago. So maybe like late 2020, but also fairly negative in terms of what it found. Why don't you break down that trial for us? So the HALTIT trial is also another large randomized controlled trial. It spanned across 15 different countries and it included over 12,000 adult patients with GI bleeds in, in order to assess the effect of TXA in patients that had GI bleeds. And so in the in these patients, the dosing for TXA was slightly different from what we were used to. So they still have received that first initial loading dose bolus, which is the one gram over 10 minutes. But then the continuous infusion that followed is actually three times what patients normally receive and over a three times longer duration. So essentially three grams over 24 hours instead of the usual one, one gram over eight hours. And so in total, these patients actually received four grams instead of the two grams. And so the findings of this trial showed essentially no differences in mortality and no differences in bleeding, as well as no differences in terms of early administration and their effect on mortality. However, in terms of the safety profile, this study actually did show that there were higher instances of venous thrombotic events in patients that actually received TXA versus placebo. This was 0.8% versus 0.4%. And so in terms of the arterial thrombotic events, they were fairly similar. But in terms of the venous thrombotic events, definitely higher in the patients in the patient population that did receive TXA, as well as the incidence of seizures were also higher within the T and within the TXA group, so 0.6% versus 0.4%. So you mentioned the uh, how the dosing regimen was a little bit different for this study versus the others. For example, the crash two, you know, the one gram followed by one gram after. So they gave a little bit more. Um, but were there any other like limitations that possibly could have explained their uh, the findings of this trial? Sure. When we mentioned in terms of the magic number for, for TXA, the time of administration is essentially um, three hours is what we typically default to in terms of the use of TXA. But in these patients that do have GI bleed, it's really difficult to determine when exactly when did that GI bleed start. And also, so essentially that, that longer time to administration may in fact be a key player as to why we weren't able to detect any differences in mortality or even early administration. And some other limitations is there is that difference in the dosing strategy. However, the rationale for that, for that dosing strategy is essentially the GI bleed patients in particular are at significantly higher risk of bleeding. And so that's why that that dosing strategy was used. So in order to cover a 24-hour period, the high-risk period for bleeding from, from the GI bleed, even after controlling 
And so that's where we do get the high doses. But maybe the, um, the, the use of those higher doses actually attributed to the higher rates of venous thrombotic events in these patients. And so those are some of your key confounders within the study. Yeah, and then just one other thing, they did also include uh, GI bleeding due to variceal and non-variceal hemorrhage. Um, so again, that's patients that have really bad liver function versus, you know, normal liver function. So those liver patients, they could have both risk of, you know, coagulation and also bleeding. So I guess another thought is if they were, if they were at, you know, even though they were bleeding, but they have risk factors for clotting and you gave them a pro-clotting drug, it's possible that that could have just pushed them over the edge towards clotting. So again, a lot of different things. So this is kind of a slightly different patient population than, you know, younger, healthier patients that, you know, got hit by a car, like, for example, which was more common, like in the CRASH-2 uh, study versus this study. But uh, but overall, like, what does this study tell us about TXA use in GI bleed patients? So based on the overall findings of the HALT-IT trial, essentially TXA isn't really recommended for GI bleed patients pending other, other studies that may result. And if I could just add, I think you know, based on this halted trial alone, I think it's maybe too premature for us to rule out the potential that TXA may play in future, you know, GI bleed. It may have a role potentially, but I think, like you mentioned, Tavon, the biggest limitation of this study was that almost half of the patients that were included were cirrhotic patients who are known to have GI bleeds and known to have clots at the same time. So in a sense, I kind of wish they, you know, used the cirrhotic patients as a part of their exclusion criteria to see what the results would have been or do a subgroup analysis to see if the results, the primary outcome would have been any different in those subset of patients. That would have been cool to see. Yeah, so Sharon, so based on uh, this trial, like are any other evidence looking at GI bleed, TXAs and GI bleed, um, if someone were to ask you like if they should use it or not, like what would you recommend to them? Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me today whether you should use TXA and GI bleed, my answer would be no just because of this one, the biggest trial we have looking at TXA and GI bleed, which, which is the HALTED trial. And I think mainly it just came, comes down to a lack of, lack of studies. I feel like sometimes we just can't make a recommendation, not because we don't believe it doesn't work, it's just because we don't have enough sufficient data to back us up at this time. So we've been talking about the CRASH-2 trials, one of the landmark trials that got the medical community using TXA for traumatic events. But the CRASH-3 trial came out pretty recently. So what was the purpose of the CRASH-3 trial? So the CRASH-3 trial was to assess the effects of TXA in patients with a traumatic brain injury. So the CRASH-2 trial was looking at trauma patients in general, and CRASH-3 kind of took that one step further and just limited to patients with a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. In terms of the dosing administration that they use for the study is exactly the same as the CRASH-2 trials, the one gram load over 10 minutes, followed by the one gram infusion over eight hours. And again, they modify the window to make sure that they were administered within three hours. And what this study found was essentially no difference in head injury death in hospital within 28 days of injury. And in those with mild to moderate TBI, mortality was lower after the administration of TXA, but there were no differences in mortality in those with a severe TBI. So potentially earlier treatment can be effective in those with a mild to moderate TBI, but not severe TBI. Then have there been any other uh, studies looking at specifically TXA use and traumatic brain injury patients besides the CRASH-3 trial? 
Yeah, there were two smaller ones that kind of followed suit afterward. And one of them was a randomized trial in the U.S. and Canada that looked at about a thousand patients with specifically moderate to severe TBI because you know, these are the patients that are the sick ones may have a poor prognosis. And these are the ones that we really hope that TXA could be like that life-saving measure. And what they did was they had three different arms for this study. They had a group that received our typical dosing, the one gram load followed by the one gram infusion over eight hours. And then we had the patients that received a two gram bolus out of hospital and then received a placebo infusion. And then we had patients that received a placebo bolus followed by a placebo infusion. And what this study found was that there was no difference in six-month neurological outcome, 28-day mortality, six-month disability, or intracranial hemorrhage progression. And there was no difference in mortality between the three dosing regimens that I mentioned previously. And the bolus-only patients did require fewer blood transfusions, but there were no differences in the primary outcomes that I mentioned. And then there was another study called the Brain Protect, and this was a study done in the Netherlands looking at about 2,000 patients with severe TBI to assess the impact of TXA during pre-hospital treatment. So we were, again, looking at that early administration of TXA. And there was no set TXA dose, but about 90% of the patients received one gram, and then about the rest received anywhere from two grams or greater. And they showed higher 30-day mortality with TXA versus without TXA. So this study actually showed harm when patients were administered TXA. So if you put that all together, what are your thoughts on using TXA for traumatic brain injury? Yeah, so putting the CRASH-3 trial and these two other studies that I just mentioned, putting them all together, I mean, I think we have pretty robust data in terms of saying that TXA and TBI, not only does it not have any difference in mortality, but it could potentially cause harm and increase mortality even in some of these patients. So is there any any other like additional research that's needed before we you know, hammer the final nail in the coffin of using TXA for our TBI patients? You know, a lot of these studies did look at, you know, CRASH-3 included mild, moderate, and severe. And these other two studies mainly focused on moderate and severe patients. But I think it's also really important to bring to attention that these studies and how they defined mod- mild, moderate, and severe can be a little bit different and what we're looking at. So I think if we were to have a study that looked at maybe, you know, subgroup analyses of mild, moderate, and severe separately and clearly defining those patients and seeing if it works in those subgroups, I think that would be a more clear answer for all of us whether or not TXA works in that patient population. So based on the current evidence that we just reviewed, what would be some indications in which you certainly would use TXA? Sure. So indications where TXA would come highly recommended, bleeding trauma with the exception of the isolated TDIs that we just discussed, postpartum hemorrhage, hemoptysis, epistaxis, and also hereditary or drug-induced angioedema, as well as perioperative or postoperative bleeding and also TPA-associated bleeding as well. So those are going to be the, those, the, the key indications where TXP would be highly recommended. Yeah. And then again, so with the NOPAC, that does kind of like, you know, throw a wrench into the, the gears about using, you know, TXA for like epistaxis. I mean, that was that's kind of like local or direct administration. I feel like the soaked packing, um, soaked in TXA. So the NOPAC trial said it eh, didn't really seem to help those patients. But again, that's not the only way to give TXA. Like, Sharon, I think you mentioned earlier, you could also do nebulization. 
maybe a higher amount uh, that you're soaking your gauze with, potentially that could work. But kind of that recent notepad trial, it kind of said, uh, is not exactly sure if it's gonna be beneficial in those patients as well. Uh, but Elizabeth, you did mention using it for angioedema. That's kind of an interesting one. And that's a little bit of a different mechanism than what we've talked about with bleeding and TXA's potential role in those situations. So why would TXA even be useful for angioedema? Sure. In terms of TXA's role um, in angioedema, it does act to help um, decrease the production of, of bradykinin. Um, it comes derived from its additional like sort of side mechanism where it reduces the activation of complement and consumption of something called C1 esterase inhibitor, and that decreases the production of bradykinin, which is basically your driving bronchoconstrictor, and that causes vascular permeability that ultimately causes the angioedema. So it, it acts as the direct cause of the angioedema. Yeah. So is there a lot of evidence to support using TXA in those bradykinin-induced angioedema patients? Ooh, in terms of that, I'm actually not that familiar with. Yeah. So Sharon, feel free to chime in. But yeah, I don't, based on my knowledge, I don't think there's a lot of super strong evidence saying that TXA is useful in those uh, angioedema patients, although it has been described in, you know, some case reports. For me, like in practice, I think, again, this is just like a, a sample of one. But I did use it once in practice, didn't really seem to make a difference. But kind of based on case reports, you know, there may be some value in using it for some patients, especially if you're, if you don't have access to some of the more expensive things that can be used for bradykinin-induced angioedema. But that's another one that I think leads to a lot more evidence to support its use or maybe to counter its use in those angioedema patients. So um, yeah, I, I hope that there's some people out there that are working on developing more evidence for TXA use in angioedema. Yeah, so I actually don't have actual clinical experience using TXA for angioedema, but kind of tying it back to what we were talking about, this anti-inflammatory pathway is just an added plus of TXA when treating patients who are hemodynamically unstable from bleeding because it can cause more hemodynamic stability and kind of help in that sense. So I think, you know, there are also people looking at the true mechanism, like, is it is the TXA working because of the inhibition of fibrinolysis or is this, you know, secondary pathway of anti-inflammatory mechanisms is what what's really dr the driving force? So we've spent uh, most of the time going over trials that have primarily been using uh, TXA in the IV route or giving it as an IV infusion. Sharon, are there any other, I know you, you mentioned these briefly prior, but is there anything to support giving it via other routes besides IV? Yeah, so in addition to giving TXA IV, I've had some experience giving these TXA nebulized as well or inhaled and mainly for hemoptysis in our um, ICU patients. So as we know, hemoptysis can be a life-threatening condition with very limited and often unsuccessful therapeutic options, usually surgery being the ultimate therapy. But now that we have, you know, improvements in bronchoscopies and CT and interventional radiology, we have other options as well. And TXA kind of came into the picture. There were, you know, smaller case studies or, you know, retrospective data that looked at the use of inhaled TXA to achieve hemostasis in these patients with hemoptysis. But in 2018, there was actually a randomized control trial study looking at 
inhaled TXA for hemoptysis in these patients. And what they did was they took a 500 milligrams of TXA and mixed it in with 5 to 10 cc's of normal saline. And the respiratory therapist would just nebulize it for the patient. And they would do this three to four times a day for five days. And what they looked at was that nebulized TXA resulted in complete resolution of hemoptysis within five days in 96% of patients in the TXA group versus 50% in the placebo group. So this study showed that those who were administered nebulized TXA experienced a marked reduction in bleeding levels compared to those patients in the placebo group. And notably, the length of stay was also shorter for those in the TXA group versus placebo group by an average of 2.1 days. And we all know how expensive ICU days cost. So that was a huge thing. And all in terms of safety, no adverse effects were noted in either group. So, I mean, just based off looking at this at my institution, we actually have an order set for, you know, nebulized TXA for that reason. So from my experience of administering it in our hemoptysis and pulmonary hemorrhage patients, it has worked wonderfully. So again, like Kayvon mentioned, I'm an N of one, but from the few patients that I've had, I, I do see that it does work. So that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely, uh, you know, promising in terms of using TXA in other ways that we're, you know, not as used to. Um, so again, IV tends to be like the, I say the dominant route for most of these different indications, but yeah, it sounds like other routes, like if you nebulize it, it may be pretty good for some patients. Okay, for example, the hemoptysis. So there's also been like kind of some, uh, that I've said, so maybe if you're using like inhalation type routes also for like epistaxis, like maybe that could work a little better than just local administration. But again, that's kind of more research that probably needs to come out. I um, did want to highlight that again, there was a another very recent trial that came out, I think just in the last few weeks, the ULTRA trial. So this is looking at TXA use in patients with subarachnoid hemorrhage. Um, it was looking at patients in the Netherlands. So again, just keep that in mind. They randomized these patients either to usual care, which did not include TXA, or the usual care plus TXA. Dose surrounding was a little bit different. Again, using the CRASH-2 as reference, which again was one gram rapid bolus versus a one gram slower bolus over eight hours. So in the older trial, it was a one gram bolus followed by one grams every eight hours up to 24 hours uh, later. So that could have been up to four grams total. So again, talking about a little bit higher doses of TXA here. They did randomize these patients to TXA pretty quickly, so within you know 24 hours of their diagnosis, but unfortunately did not find any differences in the outcomes. So they were mostly looking at neurological outcomes at six months, didn't find any differences in terms of those outcomes, no differences in rebleeding, no days in short or long-term mortality. Adverse effects didn't seem to be different between the usual care and TXA, which I guess is a, a good thing. And there was a subgroup of some patients that seemed to have better neurologic outcomes. So um, out of all the outcomes they looked at, there was one that did shine a little bit of light on in terms of using TXA use for those patients. But I say overall, TXA didn't really seem to make a huge impact on subarachnoid hemorrhage patients. So again, I put this study in the kind of in like the negative column for TXA use. Yeah, it's also interesting because in terms of rebleeding after the randomization and re receiving TXA, the TXA group had less rebleeding, although it was not not statistically significant. It just goes to show that that doesn't necessarily translate into you know the primary outcomes, which was like our six month you know clinical outcome at six months and 
by the modified Rankin scale. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, um, so based on kind of everything we've talked about so far, and Elizabeth, I know you already kind of went over this a little, but can we use TXA for everything that bleeds? <laughs> Not necessarily everything. I think there are some fine nuances and different types of bleeds um, and different indications where it would be appropriate. And studies show that there are cases where it is appropriate versus cases where the risks may not actually, the benefits may not actually outweigh the risk. And so essentially it's not, it's not a, a band-aid that, that works for essentially every type of bleed. So there you have it. TXA, great for some things that bleed. Sharon and Elizabeth? Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.